Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Ortho Joe Show, a joint production of the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery and Ortho Evidence. In our world, orthopedic research is king and current topics from our respective publications are analyzed weekly. Here is Mohit Bhandari from OrthoEvidence and Mark Swinkowski from the Journal of Bone and Joint Surgery. Well, good morning, Mo. Morning. Uh, I uh, actually uh, don't have a cup of Joe this morning, which is a huge uh, problem for me. I got to go find some. I'm outside the clinic, you know, getting ready to go through a list. So. I hope you have some. Uh, there you I go. do. Okay. I do. We have to. We have I've to show a, that to to our guest. Uh, branded this, cup here that I'm sure Ned is just just salivating on. He wants to see I, this. I, it's coming. <laughs> my, my, this, my assistant yeah. was just making coffee, so I'm going to be getting one right now. Oh, good. I'm thanks jealous. For sending, thanks. Thanks for sending me the cup. Oh, you got it already. Okay, yeah. so just just. Uh, Keep a close eye on it because people are going to try to steal that thing. Ah, look at that. Look at that thing of beauty. (laughs) Good. That's great. Well, uh, it's my pleasure to introduce our guest this morning, Dr. Ned Amendola from uh, Duke. Uh, And if I have the heritage right, uh, Western Ontario, London, uh, where he was around the likes of Pete Fowler uh, and Rich Hawkins and uh, Cease Rarbach and Bob Bourne a great uh, orthopedic faculty in Canada, and then moved to Iowa, uh, and uh, a renowned a foot and ankle and sports medicine uh, physician. And then in the past, uh, I want to say seven, eight, uh, maybe even as far as 10 years ago, moved to Duke, where he now is practicing. And we were just discussing before getting online to, in the presidential line for the American Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons. And it's great, Ned, that you would take the time to chat with us uh, on Ortho Joe. Uh, and uh, we, we really, um, given all of that news around Achilles tendon rupture and professional athletes, uh, we, we really want to discuss uh, your uh, knowledge. And I'm going to turn it over to my colleague, Mo, for the, for the first question. Sure. So, I mean, I'm sure it's, um, you've been getting inundated with questions, Ned, but, you know, um... Aaron Rodgers debut, big deal, debuts with the Jets within five minutes of play um, on turf. And I guess he's age 39, suffers what initially was thought to be some sort of calf injury and then, you know, confirmed as uh, Achilles tendon rupture. Go back now, um, back in the days in 2019, Kevin Durant, you know, they're in the fifth game against Toronto. Balls has another injury. And again, they thought it was a calf and turns out, in fact, subsequent to that, he also has an Achilles tendon rupture, goes through 18 months of rehab and then gets back. And there's been all kinds of questions that have come around. When you think about the, I guess, the current state of the science or broadly the state of the art with Achilles tendon rupture, have we found an answer or is it still very individual specific? Well, that's the key question, obviously, Mo, that you're asking. First of all, thanks for uh, inviting me on this um, podcast. 
And uh, again, I appreciate uh, what both of you done in terms of presenting the evidence and discussing the evidence in, in all of orthopedics. And uh, I think Achilles is one of those areas that uh, the current practice, at least in my humble opinion, does not really reflect what the evidence shows in terms of uh, treating Achilles tears. And that's been the case you know, for quite a while. And that's what stimulated us to, we did a study when I was at uh, Western Ontario, um, well, we started in Western Ontario, it took a long time to complete a randomized trial of operative versus non-operative treatment. And since then, there's been, uh, you know, quite a few papers looking at operative versus non-operative treatment. I, I think there are a number of issues, and I think the individual questions uh, are things that kind of drive the practice of what is done with an Achilles tear. So when you get somebody like Aaron Rodgers tearing their Achilles or Kevin Durant, I think it's it is a an individual with uh, a number of of factors around the individual that are are determining, you know, what should be done, what can be done, what are the options, and what should we be doing? And uh, yeah, I th I think when you look at Achilles, we don't have the answer. I think no matter what the treatment is, and again, in my opinion, and uh, knowing the literature as well, I I don't think it really matters. Um, the treatment method. Achilles tears is a significant injury, and it's going to take quite a bit of time to get back to normal. So with non-operative treatment, minimally invasive treatment, or open surgical treatment, I think it's a tough injury to recuperate quickly. And I think it takes time for that big tendon to remodel the calf muscle to get back to normal strength after the tendon remodels. And I think that's the main problem, to get the tendon to be functioning normally so that you can strengthen the calf to get back to normal strength. I just think it just takes a long time to do that. You know, it's interesting, and thank you for that. You know, we had surveyed in North of Evans, we had surveyed uh, folks, and we'd asked them, you know, in an athlete for an Achilles tendon rupture. Now, it's very broad. We didn't give a lot of detail. There was like 85% said we'd operate. When we said it was a non-athlete or someone sedentary, you know, 85% would uh, treat this individual non-operatively so it did seem to be a lot of, around this idea of getting people back quickly and you know uh, i remember very clearly I, I remember that paper very clearly by kevin willich yourself and you know and that when that came out it was like okay great you know there's some evidence that suggests that maybe it doesn't matter what we do the british medical journal I, I used your paper um used that paper in a larger meta-analysis this would have been around 2019 as well uh ned and i'm sure i'm sure you're aware of it but let me just remind some of our, our audience members or who are listening in some of the surgeons and, and trainees and those listening in there's really a trade-off it seems right you know the trade-off between operative and non-operative operative reduces the risk of having a re-rupture and it looks like across trials regardless of how it's you know, looked at the, the estimates at least suggest it's about 57 percent but here's the caveat the absolute difference is actually pretty small so it's like you know 2.9 percent versus one percent difference so you know the absolute difference is a very small difference the opposite is surgery is not a benign i mean it has complications and so the risk of surgery and complication rates are about 2.7 fold higher than with non-operative and again that risk difference is about double that so it's about three percent absolute difference between the two different groups so there really is this interesting trade-off but i guess you're right i mean it really just depends how you look at that information 
what we've heard, at least from the NFL, um, you know, spokes folks, spokespeople has been turf is a big problem and maybe getting back to grass and turf itself is leading to a lot of these injuries. What's your, uh, I guess, impression on the mechanisms or or I guess on safety of, of, of whether it's a soccer player or a footballer? Do you have a sense of, of what's happening in that or what some of the, um, I guess, aggravating factors are? Well, um, you know, turf has always been a question in, in professional sports and football, soccer, and then even, uh, you know, the courts and in, in basketball. So in terms of the shoe turf interface and the traction uh, that's generated has always been a question. So if you look at the old uh, turf fields, um, you know, that 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 was really not simulating grass at all. And uh, there was a lot of uh, papers uh, published in the early 2000s, late 90s on the difference between turf and, and grass. And the injuries were different at that time just because of the turf was really poor quality. So there was a lot of other things. Then um, when uh, they started simulating grass with the new turf, the, the problem with the new turf is that it can really increase the traction between the shoe and the turf. Uh, there was a period of time where the shoes were a problem. You know, they were, they had kind of the shark shoes. So they had yeah. very sharp, um, you know, uh, studs on the shoes. So you're really, even on grass, getting really good traction. And those shoes were outlawed because there was a high incidence of ACL tears and a high incidence of, of injury because of the traction. I think the same question is coming up now. So if you're a quarterback and you're getting tackled by a 300-pound lineman, and you're trying to get yourself out of it, and your shoe is not slipping, and your the shoe is has got good traction on the turf, you're going to generate that eccentric contraction no matter what, which then causes the Achilles rupture. And um, and so I think the, you know there was an injury yesterday, and uh, one of the Buffalo Bills players, the same thing was happening. He was a cornerback, and he's turning around and trying to speed up right away, and his foot is fixed on the ground like it doesn't slip or move <clears throat> so he can generate force and the amount of force he can generate just is, is too much for the uh, gastrosoleus and and you get the achilles tendon tear so i think there is something to the turf question you know about it yeah. and they need to figure out the turf interface the traction interface to make sure that it's not it's not 100 percent then and it should be maybe at 60 percent or 75 percent good traction that's interesting, Ned. Uh, but the the modification in the turf uh, design and manufacturer ha has uh, solved the ACL problem, has it? Has it not? That it's roughly equivalent with the new turf and the grass. Is that not the case? I'm not sure it solved the ACL problem, but from my knowledge, I, I don't think there's been a uh, an improvement uh, per se. Again, the ACL is a little bit slightly different. Yeah, um, mechanism than the than the Achilles tears, but um, I, I think that there is some some concern about it. I, I think the same thing happened with basketball courts and the traction on the courts, and you know, and they went away from having the rubberized courts back to wood courts, so that you get some slippage of the shoe. Yeah. And the same thing with basketball shoes. You know, trying to figure out the 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 sole of the shoe and the traction on the court. Yeah, makes sense. Absolutely. So, so Ned, if if you know from your from your own work and your own belief that 
you know, practice doesn't necessarily always reflect evidence. And evidence suggests there may not be a big difference between operative or non-operative treatment. Do you think the solution or the future really is in how we rehab these patients and how we and how we help them along? There is a study, and I'll, I'll, I'll quote it, and again, this is very high level, but it was in British Journal of Sports Medicine 2013, looking at 1,743 or so uh, soccer players. And one of the predictors of re-rupture and re-injury uh, was a shorter recovery period. So, you know, I can you can imagine in Durant's case, they said 18 months and he came back and pretty well performed like almost he hadn't left. Um, and there was always this risk of, you know, with the football uh, player having generally, as I understand, a fairly short career anyway, three years or so. You know, for them to be out for 18 months is almost half of their actual active career, it seems, you know, if we're looking at it uh, cynically somewhat. Is there pressure to get, you know, these high performance athletes back quicker? And is that in itself a risk? Well, I think so. But again, these professional athletes go to every end uh, to optimize their treatment of their injuries um, and prolong their careers. I mean, these athletes go all over the world to kind of find the uh, magic cure, you know, for early you know, joint degeneration or, you know, anything uh, to improve their body function. Uh, so I think athletes are, are just driven to try and, and do the best they can and get back as quickly as possible. So if you look at Aaron Rodgers, I mean, that was announced after the surgery uh, from Aaron Rodgers that he was going to be back, you know, maybe be back before the end of the season, which I think is going to be a very difficult goal to achieve. Number one, and number two, I think if you get back too early and your body and 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 muscular tenderness unit is not functioning at 100 percent, then I think you are putting yourself at risk of a recurrent injury just because you're not, you know, 100 percent rehabilitated. I think Kevin Durant at 18 months, I actually saw him practicing at one year after the injury and he looked pretty good to me. Uh, we, We happened to be in New York for a game. And he was looking really, really functioning well and uh, running up and down the court at, at one year. But, you know, he took an extra six months. And now you see that in ACL injury as well, you know, where you, you know, you look at an, an extra month of rehab after nine months. So if you look at six months, nine months, and then you look at 12 months, the recurrent injury rate at 12 months is less. And that's because your whole uh, neuromuscular control uh, and overall function around that musculotendinous unit, I think, is much better. So I, I think it's the same for the Achilles. I think the, you know, you can get back earlier, but it's not going to be 100%. Now, the second thing is, as you know, orthopedics is technically driven, uh, trying to improve techniques and what we do. So there's always these new additions. Like there was a paper published uh, from, uh, a professional soccer club in uh, in the in Europe, where they were doing immediate FHL transfers to augment the Achilles repair, like for acute Achilles repairs, doing an immediate immediate flexor house's longest transfer, and uh, to get the people back to playing soccer uh, professionally. Uh, then you know here in the U.S., you know over the last few years has been uh, a lot of. Uh, you know, technical uh, case discussions about augmenting ligament repairs with some synthetic augmentation. And so all these things come into play where people say, well, if if we add this 
extra technical advance, it might get people back to play sooner. And uh, and that may be the case. I mean, we're pushing the envelope all the time. And I'm not not being a naysayer, but I, I think in our specialty, you know, that's that's what happens. People are driving the specialty forward by doing something innovative, and sometimes it falls backwards, and sometimes it goes forwards. Uh, Ned, I I have to ask you: Is it possible to get normal a return to normal gastrosoleus strength if, with non-surgical care? Is, is that possible? I think it's possible. Yes, and I think the I think the evidence has, has been supportive of that. Again, it, it depends on uh, the treatment of the acute tear. So I think if you get to the tear acutely within the first couple of weeks and uh, you do the appropriate treatment with uh, keeping the tendon opposed, uh, having some stimulation with weight bearing early so that you get some stimulation of tendon growth and tendon healing, um, I, I think that you can get back to normal. I think if you start the treatment late, so if you start at three or four weeks where you started to get some consolidation of the hematoma and the tendon and the lengthened position, I think it's going to be very difficult. Okay. Well, I'm I'm sure there are many members of the listening audience who, who want to have that little bit of insight from you as they're advising patients. Uh, Mo, I'm going to let you have the last question and i've got i've got one for both of you at the very end i'm not gonna show my hand yet but uh go ahead you, sure. you can ask ned the last well, question well so so ned i mean as a surgeon and scientist I'm, I'm sure you think a lot about you know just what's needed and what's been done do you think there's anything left in terms of the evidence as it relates to operative versus non-operative i'm sure there's lots to be done but if you were to be thinking of an important study that has to be done that hasn't been done. Um, what might that look like? Would it be a repeat in just larger numbers, or would it be something uniquely different? I think what's missing is a study on these high-level athletes. You know, is and that's the problem uh, that we get into. So I get that asked all the time. Now, do you operate on your Duke athletes to get an Achilles tear, or do you treat them non-operable? And uh, so when you're looking at a high-level athlete going back to the highest level of basketball or the highest level of football or the highest level of soccer, um, do we have that information? So people quote a lot of things. You know, they quote even on our study uh, by Willits. Um, when we looked at, at the uh, strength testing and you, you know, testing the strength at high speed versus low speed, there seemed to be a better outcome in the operatively treated patients versus the non-operatively treated patients. <clears throat> Secondly, um, you know, when, when you do surgery, um, you're basically retensioning the Achilles. And as Mark has alluded to, you know, if, if you're not retensioning it back to normal with non-operative treatment, will it ever get back to normal? So there's just a feeling that if it, in the high elite athlete, if you're missing five or 10% of the normal tension, they're not going to get back to normal function. So you need to restore that normal tension. So again, to answer your question, I think it, it's virtually impossible, but to have a study where you're comparing non-operative treatment to operative treatment in the very high level athlete, I don't think we have that information. There was one study done in, in uh, rugby players in New Zealand uh, where they compared operative versus non-operative treatment by uh, Twaddle, and they showed very similar results in operative versus non-operative treatment in rugby players. So I, 
I'm not sure, again, that relates to North America, but it's very difficult to get American surgeons to believe that you can take an MBA player and treat them non-operatively. That's very insightful, Ned. And uh, now my, uh, my question for both of you, I, I know, uh, and it's obvious from this conversation that you follow the NFL, but as uh, Canadians, what's going on in the CFL? What can you share? Who are the strong teams? What do you got, Mo? You got anything? I'm, I'm the wrong person. You have, you have to understand that. You know, for me to remember Aaron Rodgers' stats was big. And all I know is something that's a big deal. All I know is Taylor Swift showed up to one of these footballers' games, and that's been bigger than anything else that's happened in the NFL in the last year. It's all you hear about is Taylor Swift is dating some footballer. That's the extent <laughs> of my football knowledge, guys. Okay. Okay, Ned, can you answer the question? What's going on in the CFL? Who are the strong teams? Well, the Argos, uh, obviously, uh, you know, in Moe's area, you know, the Tiger Cats and, yeah. and uh, the Argos, the Tiger Cats are not doing very well, but the Argos are doing very well this year. They're at the top of the league. Um, and uh, again, I, I I still, you know, have a lot of friends. I, As you know, I started in Canada. I played college yeah. football in Canada. I got drafted in the CFL, but I decided to go into medicine instead. So, um so I kind of still kind of uh, keep track a little bit. Why why do you have such an interest, Mark, in the CFL? Well, I just had a couple of Canadians. I kind of had a hunch that you would... <laughs> you had the wrong. I kind of yeah. had a hunch that, that one of you would get, get an A on the answer, and that's you, Ned. And I kind of had a hunch that Mo Knight might not even pass. <laughs> and I was right on both sides. You're, so. You're accurate. You're accurate. Yes. <laughs> Well, it's great. Throw stats around. I can throw stats like anyone, though. But it just you know, you have to. As soon as you get to the question, which is what's happening in your own country, yeah, you see, I fall apart. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Well, Ned, uh, thanks so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule uh, to chat with us about these the current knowledge in Achilles tendon rupture, and we greatly appreciate it. And um, we want to wish you all the best as your uh, the pressure on your time with your leadership in the American Academy. Is going to increase, and uh, we know you're going to continue to uh, to lead uh, and lead the specialty with great uh, integrity and and, uh, and and great energy. And we wish you all the best, and enjoy that Ortho Joe mug. Just make sure you lock it up at night because there will be thieves coming after it. <laughs> well, I just want to thank uh, both of you, and again, congratulate both of you for everything you do to keep our profession at the highest level. Thank you. Have a good day. It's a great day. Thanks again for the chat. Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.